welcome back to another episode of Meet the Researcher. Today I'm joined by Will Zoppolini, who is a senior lecturer in physical education and child development here at Solon. Hello, Will. Hey, how are you doing? You okay? Yes, all good. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, great. Happy to be here. So we're going to start off in the same place that we start with everybody else and find out how you got to where you are today. Um, it's, a, it's a road with many twists and turns, but I'll... I'll um try and be uh, as, as brief as I can to, to get to this point. Um, I, I always uh, do think I try and tell people about where I started in school because I, um, well, basically because I teach education now and research education and I didn't have a very good experience of education because I didn't really like school or schooling or things like that when I was a kid. So for several reasons, I um, didn't go very much and, and sort of finished school with um uh, without any qualifications and with no GCSEs. Um, uh, but um, so my, my first kind of turn after that, even though I, I didn't have any qualifications, uh, I had a really good uh, basketball jump shot, which took me um, forwards into uh, college and all of the rest. And I remember my college interview with the admin uh, officer and she looked at me and said, you don't have any grades to get on this course. And the basketball coach at the institution just walked up behind her and said, he's going on the course, don't worry about it. And that was how I got into college wow. um, about 20 years ago. So, uh, yeah, that, that was it, really. I, I um, played basketball for the majority of the time when I was younger, um, as a teenager in early 20s. In the end, I uh, had a few injuries and, you know, ended up that I wasn't going to uh, play in the NBA Um so, uh, you know, I only actually came to that realisation last week. It's definitely not going to happen, uh, but no, I'm just kidding. But while I was uh, at college and playing basketball, I had some really influential basketball coaches and uh, a couple of really influential um, teammates, to be honest with you. And they kind of changed my perception a lot about life and education. And that's when I started to take studies a bit more seriously and thought that going to university was something that was uh, a possibility, which I basically didn't realise until the year before I came to university. Uh, it was something I never thought of doing. And one of my coaches said, you know, have you thought about doing this? And I thought, well, no, like, why would I go to university? You know, that's where the toffers go. Like, that was my like, perception of it. Like, why, like, why would I ever bother with that? And they just kind of opened my eyes a lot more to it. And so uh, I um, went to university, uh, studied um, sports studies uh, back then and really enjoyed it, really loved it. Uh, had a couple of good lecturers and uh, again, like kind of opened my eyes to it a bit more. And um, that's probably where I got my first like real like kind of love of research um, because I do, up until that point, I was still quite... Um, evidence-based and black and white and thinking and so when I got to university and they started to talk about research and for me it was actually um, the quantitative research that got me like early on even though it, I do like qualitative now for the PhD it was the quantitative research because I loved how black and white it was mm. and I loved um, the statistics and you know the, the calculations that you do and I thought oh this means that something either is happening or isn't and that really like hooked me if you like so that was really good uh, and the, the psychology side really uh, I guess inspired me and, and, and gave me an interest and so uh, after university I, I did a couple of things I worked a bit in sports development a bit in sports coaching and a bit in uh, 
like teaching in schools, but really like going in and doing it just for mm. PE lessons. Yeah. Um, and then eventually uh, I went into education more. Um, so uh, I taught in a school uh, before I came to Solent as a lecturer and had a, a few different experiences of that, um, mainly PE teaching, but I also taught in a behaviour school. So for children that um, had basically been expelled too many times from mainstream, which was a really great, really great experience. Uh, and then, um, yeah, then I ended up at, at Solent um, and now I'm doing a PhD here, um, which was really the main reason that I wanted to come. I wanted to leave teaching and um, to pursue research a little bit more, mainly because I kind of don't really agree with a lot of the uh, a lot of the approaches that schools have. And so the research for me was something that I wanted to kind of keep pursuing in that area uh, to kind of look into those and explore those facets of education that I wrong. I was trying to think of a way to, <laughs> to not say wrong, but uh, and so, yeah, the, the, the opportunity I saw um, came up to teach here and, and to research at the same time. And so I thought that was a, a great opportunity. And that's, yeah, that's where I am. No, that's fantastic. And I think it's really important that we share those less traditional stories of how people get into academia. I think there's quite a misconception that you kind of do undergrad, master's, PhD, and then you just become an academic straight away. So, yeah, I think that's really refreshing and, and really important to know your background. Thanks for sharing that. So give us one fact about you that doesn't relate to research. I call myself a constant traveller. I travel all of the time rather than uh, travelling forever and not having any money. I kind of see my life as I, I come here and, and do the work that I love doing, but I use that to travel at any single point that I get to basically anywhere that I can. I usually, you know, look at where's accessible and where has a, a cheap or quick flight to if I get some time to go and uh, and off I go. And um, and that's it. That's, I guess, my outside of work. I think that's my main focus and goal in life is just to continue to travel um, to as many places as possible, um, meet as many people as I can, uh, get, get a diverse range of experiences as I can. So that's, um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest part of my life outside of work for sure. This might be a difficult question, but your favourite place that you visited? I've started to think about this more because I used to not be able to answer that and everyone asked me all of the time, <laughs> all of the time. And so I've started to try and get an answer. So um, because I, I so I will go anywhere, but I prefer the nature parts over mm. kind of the city yeah. experiences or the, you know, the, um, the experiences where I'm, you know, in like built up areas or anything like that. So I would say the, the two places I've been... Um, that were just incredible uh, for the nature. One is uh, Pico Island, which is a small island, part of the uh, Azores, uh, which is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Right. So I would say it's probably either there or there's a small town uh, at the top of Vancouver Island in Canada called Port Hardy, which is the last town before you basically get to the wild. Right. And so uh, there's not a lot in the town but there's some fantastic hikes um, next to there and they will have black bears and grizzly bears kind of walk down the street in the town sometimes because literally it just, you know, borders the, the forest and the mountains. So it's really, really great uh, for a bit of peace. I mean, if, if you weren't in academia, I feel like you'd be like a great travel guide. No, that's brilliant. Thanks, Will. So, super interesting. You're definitely far more travelled than I am. So let's uh, move on to, to the what then. So what is your research area? So I, I kind of 
always say education, which I know is broad, but I do feel like a lot of the areas in that are quite intertwined. And I think it's a complex area. I don't think you can research part of it without being aware of other parts. So I like, you know, from a personal point of view, I like a lot of the psychological theories or processes in, in education, um, how children learn, learning theories. Um, I like uh, kind of the pedagogical approach, mainly to do with um, teacher feedback and, and some processes like that. Um, but again, I kind of link that to, again, psychological theories and, and learning theories when I talk about teacher feedback. Uh, so I'd say such, somewhere in there is, is um, work that I do. And um, can you tell me some about something about your your current work? So you know your your PhD and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So my PhD, I look at um, the variation in how uh, teachers uh, understand and develop a concept called uh, growth mindset. So growth mindset uh, is has been made kind of quite famous because of a trade book uh, by Carol Dweck called Mindset. It does have a uh, probably a 30 to 40 year research um, history behind it. Um, but the idea of growth mindset is that uh, teachers believe that human qualities like intelligence or personality or morality uh, are changeable. Um, or if they view them as, as kind of fixed entities, it has uh, the label fixed mindset. And the, and the idea that the history of the experimental research in psychology is that if children have a growth mindset, Generally, they have uh, better academic success, uh, better academic resilience and more retention um, over time. So, yeah, there's a bit of conflict in the area about how replicable the studies are. Mm. Um, but there's uh, not very much research that has been uh, explored or performed on um, teachers in the area. Which is why I'm kind of really interested in it, uh, because I think, um, you know, the, the idea if a teacher believes that intelligence is changeable, for example, surely then, you know, logically, we could assume they're teaching everyone in their class the same way, because, you know, it's not to say that everyone can achieve the absolute top and become, you know, the, the smartest people in the world. But the idea is just that they can improve their basic uh, qualities. And some smaller studies that have been done in the past um, have highlighted some poor teaching practices uh, when teachers kind of have this fixed mindset or believe intelligence is, is fixed. So, you know, for example, uh, there was a study on uh, math teachers where they observed after the initial uh, test at the start of the year to put kids into sets in the top set, the teachers would challenge the children a lot and give them extra homework. And in the bottom set, sometimes they would just comfort the kids and say, well, you're just not a maths person. And this was all based on the, you know, the initial test at the start of the year. So the uh, areas like that are really interesting to me. And so some of the things I've uh, found out are that how teachers um, understand growth mindset, uh, not just the, the um, fixed or growth part, uh, but actually what they believe it is uh, affects the, the pedagogical practices a lot. So, um, I mean, for example, uh, some teachers believe that, um, or sorry, some teachers in my study believed that growth mindset was kind of a set of characteristics that meant you were a good student. Uh, but the ones that identified that uh, generally tended to label kids uh, as either able or not, um, or they're the high ability ones, they're the low ability ones. Um, but, you know, these labels kind of came to the children as a whole person, not that they were really good in one subject, but they'd be high ability for everything. Whereas the ones that kind of understood growth mindset a little bit closer to the 
research definitions uh, and believed and spoke about a changeable intelligence a lot. Uh, they generally, you know, had uh, feedback processes that focused more on um, effort, trying different learning strategies, um, rather than focusing on kind of outcomes and, and test results and things like that. So that's you know, where I am at the moment. I think that uh, going forward, um, once I, I finish this, assuming that there is an end to the PhD, I'm at that point where I feel like it, there isn't an end, but people will assure me that it does end at some point. Eventually it does. Um, but yeah, when, when this ends, I'd like to carry on um, somewhat with this, partly in, in teacher education, but also I'd like to um, kind of get into uh, classrooms and look at some small sample size studies and, and have kind of classroom observations uh, or small case studies um, to really kind of uh, dissect some of these processes a, li a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's really interesting as well, because I think maybe from what you've kind of alluded to, the focus maybe has been more on screening children and, and seeing what it's like from their point of view, but perhaps the the person who's actually doing the teaching is somewhat neglected. And it sounds like you found some really interesting and impactful stuff that, that can hopefully change the way that some teachers teach in the future. Uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, it's, I think I'm still at the stage where, you know, I'm, I'm in between where uh, the naive PhD student where I think my study will change the world and then the other side where, <laughs> you know, where you're a bit more realistic with it. But no, I, I do think, you know, uh, away from this one study, if you like, um, the, the one kind of PhD thesis study, uh, I do think the, um, the research field has a lot to offer in that in that sense. So I think, yeah, the more I can kind of build and add to this evidence base, I do think that um, it will change uh, some teaching practices for the better, for sure. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I think that leads really nicely onto my kind of so what section. Why do you do what you do? What's the bigger picture here? I think on like a simple answer is just kind of to help people. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, I think there's not to go too deeply, I guess, into my philosophical view, but I think that there's a lot of brilliant people in the world that either don't do something that they love or don't understand that they could have done something that they liked or just weren't given the chance, like weren't given the opportunity. Uh, and I, for me, um, it all stems from education. And I, I do separate education from schooling uh, i think that they're like kind of slightly different but but either way you know i kind of think of my journey for education and i had terrible experiences of, of school um and you know that some some teachers were okay when i look back and tried to reach out and some weren't um but also just the kind of the system and the way it was set up you know i didn't like it and and i perhaps got lucky in that i found my way you know to education somehow with you know the help of some great people along the way but you know i don't know like who does that for everyone you know not everyone has that and i i, I guess you know there's there's kids in the world that are growing up in neighborhoods that come with uh like connotations where they're just written off and so you know who's there for them you know it's uh, and this is, I guess, where the kind of growth and, and fixed mindset, this is what I'm drawn to, because I think, well, people from those neighbourhoods, you know, all of them aren't innately stupid, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. But but that's but that's how sometimes they're perceived. Um, and so if they don't have this, this opportunity or they're not taught in a way that they're challenged or, you know, they're not shown, you know, you could do this or, you know, what, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to do 
know, the, I mean, now we're living, because of technology, we're living in a world where almost anything can become a job, you know, for people. Yeah. Like, there's 12-year-olds on the internet that make three times as much money than me for showing people how to make, you know, whatever. Um, you know, do you want to do that? They, you know, they have, like, skills and there's education around that to, to help people, but maybe they think that they can't do it. Um, and then I think around that, there's, there's other people that are written off. I mean, at the moment, we've got a ridiculous amount of children in the world that are displaced, uh, displaced. Sorry, because of um, you know the the wars that are happening and the conflicts that are happening across the world. So they move to these other countries, but when they get to those countries, are they just written off because you know there's a language barrier or they didn't really have education in their country because you know whatever it's, they didn't have access to it or school got destroyed or whatever it was. So they're behind. Mm they fall through the cracks you know so this i guess it's a for me you know the education is how are we reaching all of these people not not necessarily to you know to say that all of them are going to become you know these these great people um but some of them can some of them will be creative and and so how do we you know challenge them and inspire them and and basically give them a, a fair shot if you like um so i guess that's the what to me um you know and i I probably do a very, very, very small amount of work that contributes to that, but I think that's what goes through my head and, and what keeps me going for it. I think that's the, the passion part. I mean, if I didn't believe that, I think I would just travel full time. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, I think that really shines through, that your passion for this area and your background and, and how that's kind of really inspired you and why you're so passionate about it, I think really shines through. And I think that's so important. Ultimately, we wouldn't be putting our through, putting ourselves through something like a PhD if we weren't passionate and we really were interested in it. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic. And, and I love your enthusiasm and, and passion. It's, it's just brilliant. So moving on to my kind of final question, then what's your golden nugget? What one piece of advice would you give to anyone interested in research? I think, you know, when you go into it, you might have quite strong views about what research is, how it should be done or maybe views that what you're researching is uh, perhaps the, the correct way of doing something. You know, I, I'm thinking of like me and how teachers teach and, and things like that. But I think that you need to be open to change and adapt, um, you know, be open to learning new ways of researching. If you want to find an answer, you know, I think if, to me in my head, if you call yourself a true researcher, you should, you know, be willing to kind of move between uh, research methods you know, kind of not not easily, but you you'd be open to doing it, uh, and so you would take it on um, and and learn and keep, uh, sorry and keep learning different you know techniques and processes and different ways of analysing data so that you can truly understand you know the object of uh, whatever it is that you're looking into. So I think yeah, I guess you know to I guess be open uh, to change and, and be adaptable. Don't keep yourself like in a research bubble. Or don't keep yourself in an echo chamber. You know, if you surround yourself with everyone that believes what you do, then you won't push yourself as a researcher. You won't get to the, you know, you won't get to the answer. So, yeah, I, I guess that's what I would say. Um, and I guess pick something that you love because you're not going to be rich from doing it. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, both, yeah, both fantastic nuggets there. So, yeah, that, that openness and adaptability and, and surrounding yourself with people that challenge you. And yeah, also that passion, uh, and like we said, that kind of has shone through uh, in this podcast. 
So we're going to move on to the last little bit, just to get to know you very, very quickly. Quick fire questions. Um, there's only 10, so it shouldn't take too long, depending on how much you waffle. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, let's go. So, coffee or tea? A coffee is easy. Qualitative or quantitative? This is hard for me, but I'm going to go with qualitative now because of the, the I do that for my PhD. Yeah. But I did when I was undergrad. I was quantitative through and through. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've, I've switched a lot. So if I had to pick one, then I think at this point I would say qualitative. Dogs or cats? Dog, definitely. Book or journal? A book. Instagram or Twitter? Oh, definitely Instagram. I hate, I hate Elon Musk. Definitely Instagram. Uh, lit review or methodology? Methodology. Chocolate or sweets? Chocolate, for sure. Undergrad or postgrad? Postgrad, postgrad. Winter or summer? Summer, for sure. And reading or writing? I'm going to go with reading. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Will, for joining me and um, sharing your passion and your research area. It sounds like you're really going to make a difference and you know, you're very near the end, my friend. You're you're gonna you're gonna smash it and you're so so close. And we'll be calling you doctor in no time, I'm sure. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. That's great. Thank you so much. Have a really Will. good time. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.